Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in Fermina Kim. Today, a solemn Coast Guard honor guard bears the remains of Norman Mineta to San Jose. He was the son of Japanese immigrants and a survivor of the internment camps 120,000 Japanese Americans were confined to during World War II. Mineta, who died last month at the age of 90, rose to become one of the nation's highest profile Asian American statesmen in his day, starting on the San Jose City Council. Let's take a moment today to consider his life and legacy. All that's coming up right after this. Welcome to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in Fermina Kim. If you're in the South Bay today, you might be making your way to downtown San Jose to pay your last respects to Norman Yoshio Mineta. His remains are arriving this morning at the airport that bears his name, taking a lingering pass through Japantown and headed to City Hall. Today and tomorrow, there will be political luminaries from around the country in San Jose to speak about Mineta's life and legacy. He served as Bill Clinton's Secretary of Commerce. He was the first Asian American to hold a cabinet position and the first Asian American big city mayor, not to mention a 10-term Congress. Today, we're talking with people who knew him well and sharing your thoughts. Let's start with David and Stuart Mineta, Norman's sons. Uh, gentlemen, let me just start by saying I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Rachel. Thank you very much. And, you know, thank you for um, for this opportunity this morning. Thank you for your kind words. It's, it's uh, much appreciated. What what's happening today and tomorrow? Tell me a little bit about uh, where where you guys are standing, what you're expecting to do in the next few hours. Uh, David Stewart, who wants to start? Dave can start. So thank thank you. Uh, you know, Rachel, I think you you had you, you had the schedule down um, at the top, and uh, thank you for informing us. Um, uh, actually, we are here right now um, doing the interview from San Jose City Hall. Uh, and from here, we will be uh, leaving um, by about 1030 to go to the airport uh, to meet our stepmom, Denny, um, and um, stepbrothers, uh, Mark and Bob and their families and dad's remains. 
Um, we'll come back here to this to City Hall, to the rotunda, for small ceremony, welcoming ceremony. And then uh, we have some family time this afternoon and just kind of getting ready for his memorial service tomorrow at the Civic Auditorium, um, open to the public. Um, and so, um, and then a private uh, family burial uh, tomorrow. Thank you for that, David. Stuart, your father was 90 years old. That's nearly a century. And I'm, I'm so struck by how much history his life encompasses. The, the world was a very different place when he was born. Well, and especially here in San Jose, where he was born, uh, you know, San Jose was, was more agriculturally focused and, and the shift towards high tech um, was was during the time when when he was mayor and and uh, uh, when he went on uh, was elected to Congress. So yeah, the times were a lot different. Just um, you know, even politics was was so much different. Uh, you know, Dad's one of Dad's closest friends is Senator Alan Simpson from Wyoming, who's uh, you know um, a Republican uh, elder statesman of the Republican Party, and uh, you know Dad Dad. Dad was a, a Democrat, and um, I mean, those two are are thick as thieves. I mean, they 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 were so close, and they knew each other from uh, Boy Scout days when when Dad was uh, uh, in the tournament camps there in, in uh, Heart Mountain. So um, it's just a different time back then. Yet, uh, 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 you know what what Dad meant to other people, and and how much he loved connecting with people. Um, that never changed. David, uh, the Japanese community in San Jose was so vibrant in the years before World War II, and I know that's that's before your time. Uh, it, it's a different world today. Are are you expecting big crowds to turn out today? Um, it, you know, are, are there enough young people who know, you know, uh, what Mineta did and uh, tried to accomplish? You know, I, uh, I, I would hope so. And, and, you know, again, not maybe not even just in the Japanese American community. I think I know that was, you know, the or, or Japanese American community so, so important to dad, to all of us. But I think really, to me, I hope that, um, you know, lots of folks, young and old alike, um, you know, will remember his story, will remember him. Um, and, uh, you know, those sort of humble valley roots um, work hard uh, to try to improve your community, um, improve the state, improve the country. Uh, and, you know, for many folks, I think in our, in the Asian American Pacific Islander community, you know, I think people think of him as sort of, I've heard someone say, Congressman Mike Honda told me this, that people see him as sort of our community's John Lewis. And I just would hope that young and old alike would sort of remember what he's done and remember him in that way. That's great. I'm 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 going to steal that line from you uh, in, in future coverage. Um, I I know we don't have either of you for very much longer because, of course, you've got a busy day ahead of you both. Uh, but I'm wondering if each of you has a favorite dad story you want to share. Uh, Stuart, you want to kick us off? Uh, you know, my, my, my favorite dad stories are the ones where people say, and, and, you know, they're, 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 they're numerous of them, but 
when people say, you know, he, I met him one time and then I saw him again and he remembered my name. He remembered my child's name. He remembered, you know, what my parents were going through. And, you know, that, that's dad. That's what I, I, I love the most. And I remember the most was his ability to connect with people and, you know, uh, uh, just know their story, remember their story, remember who they were. And he, he loved that. He loved that about, you know, when he was mayor of San Jose, um, it was told to us that uh, uh, one of his former staffers said that he, that was the job he loved most because that job uh, was him working together with his friends, families, and neighbors here in San Jose to get things done. And, and that's sort of what, what, dad was about was he wanted to solve problems. He wanted to um, take care of, of whatever issue was coming up and work on it with, with people. And, and, and many will, will attest to his ability to bring people from both sides of the aisle, you know, the, that bipartisanship uh, to get things done. Uh, so that con- connecting with people is, is what I, I remember the most and I love the most about, about dad. Beautifully put. Uh, David, I, I know that's hard to top. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go in a little different direction. I mean, Stu, Stu did such a good job I, I, um, on that. I, I would do something a little bit more personal. Um, I, um, I had the honor and privilege to work in the Obama White House, and I was a Senate-confirmed appointee. Um, and uh, I... You know, I thought that, again, it was such a privilege and honor. Um, And one day I decided to invite Dad over to the White House um, mess uh, for lunch. And I was so proud that I could do that, that I could share that privilege with Dad. And so I invite him over, um, and he comes over to the White House. Obviously, he's been there many, many times. We go to the mess. As we're walking in, you know, people are like, oh, good morning. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Secretary. Hi, Norm. Uh, they're doing it in the mess. Um, and d- during the lunch, it just occurred to me, it just got kind of annoying to me um, because I was wondering, who are these people? Um, and, you know, here I, I, you know, White House staff, and I don't know who these folks are. And um, and so um, it felt like he worked at the White House and he was taking me to lunch. Um, and... <laughs> You know, it just, it just, I'm, I was so proud to be his son in Washington and in San Jose or wherever, really. Um, and those kinds of things just happen. And, and, you know, I, I kid him and he, he, as we walked out that day, he sort of had that little twinkle in his eye of like, sorry, you know, sort of meekly, sorry about that. Um, which again, you know, I love being his son and we both do. And that kind of stuff just, just happened wherever. Um, but, um, you know, it's because people had high regard for him and, 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 you know, and loved him. So, uh, yeah. And he genuinely, and he genuinely loved them back. Absolutely. That was, that, you know, was one thing that he, he definitely cared about whatever their story was. And he was always interested in their stories too. You know, I think we, we always say this, you know, we have a very large extended family, Rachel, including members of the press, I, I'd say, um, you know, just we just have a very large extended family, um, lots of uncles, aunties, 
cousins, brothers, sisters, um, you know, and uh, some we've never met, we'll never know. Uh, And they're still family. So so what would you say? I mean, you know, here here he is, in a sense, returning for the last time to San Jose. What what is the legacy that he has left the South Bay in particular? Any thoughts, Stuart? Well, I, I think it's it's this uh, I the idea of, you know, calling San Jose the capital of Silicon Valley uh, that started back when dad was mayor, that shift from ag agriculture to to high tech um, began back in the the 70s. And so when you had IBM coming in and all these high tech Texas instruments and all these high tech companies coming in to make chips and uh, uh, computers and, and everything else, um, I think that's the legacy. That's one of the, the biggest legacies of, of the change of the South Bay and how it went from uh, the, 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 the one industry to the other. And so when, you know, when you look around, you look at the freeways, you look at the, you know, Highway 85, all those things, all those things were, you know, dad was able to accomplish in Congress and that growth. And uh, that all happened uh, while he was in Congress and when he was mayor. Well, I, you know, we're, we're running into a break, so I will say, David Mineta, Stuart Mineta, sons of Norman Mineta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, thank Rachel. You, Rachel. You know, thank you for doing this and, and, um, and, and taking this time um, to highlight that. Thank you very much. You got it. We're talking about the life and legacy of Norman Mineta, former U.S. Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Transportation, Congress member, San Jose mayor. He's going to be laid to rest in San Jose today. Stay with us and tell us, for all of his accomplishments, which will you remember him by? Which is most personally important to you? You can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. You can email your comments to forum at kqed.org or give us a call at 866-733-6786. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. We're talking about the life and legacy of Norman Mineta today on Forum. I'm Rachel Myro filling in for Mina Kim. And we want your thoughts and questions and comments and memories. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Once again, now that you've got your phone at the ready, 866-733-6786. 
Uh, we have with us now Diane Fukami, executive producer uh, of the Mineta Legacy Project and co-producer, director of Norman Mineta and his legacy in American Story. Diane, I can't say enough what a wonderful documentary you put together. It covers such a huge sweep of American history, which, you know, I guess is, you know, what what the 90 years Norman Mineta lived covers. Thanks so much, Rachel. You know, it was a real challenge to try to fit everything into one hour. <laughs> I, I bet it could easily. Yeah, it, you could have done, you know, one of those Ken Burns style series. Uh, just to give our listeners a taste, if you haven't had the chance to swing over to PBS.org where you can still watch this thing, let's listen to a comment um, that, Diane, you ended the documentary on. Here's former President uh, Bill Clinton speaking about Norman Mineta in Diane Fukami's documentary, Norman Mineta and His Legacy, An American Story. Norman Mineta spent his life both proving by his own achievements that America was working for more and more people, but also trying to give that chance to everybody else. And that's a worthy life. And it should be honored. More important, it should be emulated. You know, Diane, you include in this documentary so many intimate and moving details. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, explaining how 10-year-old Norm had to give up his dog, Skippy, uh, when the Japanese community, uh, well, 120,000 Japanese and Japanese-Americans um, were forced into concentration camps. Too often, the history people learn in school flattens the human impact of, of political decisions. That's true. What we really tried to do with this piece is to show the humanity um, of history, the evolution of what our country was going through, and how Norm's life was so intertwined in that. Um, we're getting calls now, and I want to make sure we invite the community into this conversation. Why don't we go to John in San Francisco? Hi, John. Are you Hello. there? Hi. I'm here. Talk to us. So um, my father was uh, Benjamin Weir, who was kidnapped and held as a hostage in Lebanon in the uh, mid-'80s when Ronald Reagan was president. And um, <clears throat> when my mother and other family members, myself included, came to Washington, D.C. to talk to officials about what was going on, we were shunned by the White House <clears throat> and to some extent by the State Department. But Norman Mineta uh, was actually one of the few people who recognized that people who had spent their um, adult lives working and living outside of the U.S., but who nevertheless were American citizens, really were not well represented. And he, he uh, met with us. We spent a fair amount of time with him and described our situation to him and our lack of ability to really make contact with people in the federal government who we thought could be help, helpful in my father's hostage situation. And uh, Norman Mineta was very warm and friendly and very welcoming, and um, it was just a, a very refreshing um, and uh, helpful, especially to my mother, to finally find somebody in the federal government who was willing to discuss uh, my father's situation. 
Thank you for sharing that, John. That that's a, a terrific story. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, Michael tweets, Minetta's lesson for me is that you don't need a big ego to get things done in Washington. What I will always remember is his modestly sized thank you billboard on Camden Avenue after every election. Uh, Diane, you know, in, in the context of today's politics, you don't hear much of of Normanetta's kind of political thinking, the, the idea that people being oppressed by the state feel some kind of personal responsibility to coax the government into doing better, being better, right? rather than sort of shouting at them on, on social media. You know, Norm's philosophy is so different than a lot of other politicians. He believed that it was really important to be accessible. And I think um, John's story really showcases that accessibility. Um, and it, it was to everybody. You know, Dave and um, Stuart had talked a little bit about how he was able to remember everybody's name, and he really took pride in that, and that accessibility. You know, during one of our many interviews, um, he told me that the most important thing for a leader to be, or a politician, was was uh, the ability to listen. He said, everybody's got, he said, God gave everybody one mouth, but two ears. <laughs> and, mm, yeah. and, the, and the fact that he believed in the power of listening really was a testament to the kind of man he was and the kind of politician that he was. In, in your documentary, Mineta says something that struck me, that his father would say, in the long run, we're going to prove our loyalty to this country. I, I'm wondering if you could talk about the differences between the, the fatalism of the Issei, the immigrant generation of Norm's parents, and the activism of Norm's generation, the Nisei? Well, you know, I think that Norm's upbringing was a little bit different than many Japanese Americans. Mr. Mineta had come from Japan at the age of 14. Uh, you know, I can't imagine mm. coming across an ocean and, and not knowing anybody at the age of 14 nowadays. And by accident, he got off in Seattle instead of San Francisco, <laughs> where there was a relative waiting for him. So it's, he spent two years as a 14 to 16 year old finding jobs and working his way down to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and then he and then the first thing that happened is his relative insisted that he go to school and learn English. And so at a young age, Mr. Mineta learned English, and that became a very powerful tool in his ability to navigate his way uh, when they finally, when he and his wife finally moved to San Jose. And so what Norm remembers as a kid in San Jose on that house on Fifth Street is Mr. Mineta um, had, there was sort of a, a separate entrance for a room, and Mr. Mineta used that to counsel people to help use his English skills as a liaison between the Japanese and the San Jose English-speaking community, and got a lot of respect and admiration for that. And then when Mr. Mineta finally got his insurance license and was able to sell insurance, I mean, that just sort of evolved, and he and the Mineta family became very well-respected. So at an early age, Norm was exposed to the district attorney, um, people in San Jose city government, because they all came to his father's office to discuss things and, and to try to get inroads into the Japanese community. And so I think in that way, that really served Norm pretty well. He wasn't as insulated as, let's say, my parents, for instance, who were also 
second generation Nisei, uh, he he was able to be comfortable in moving and navigating his way through uh, white American society more easily and quickly. What brought Normanetta into politics, especially at a time when Asian Americans weren't really represented in American politics outside of Hawaii? You know, there was a man in San Jose, an Issei man named Mr. Ishimatsu, and he was savvy at a very young age. Apparently, he um, persuaded other members of the Japanese American community to pull their money so that every year, two members of the Japanese American community would go to the regional Democratic dinner, and two members would go to the Republican Democratic dinner. And they began to see how the system works in this country. Um, It was those Issei men who spotted the talent in a young Normanetta very early on, and really groomed him, um, pulled him into some of these dinners along with them. And when an opening became um, available on the Human Rights Commission, Uh, Norm was in position to be appointed to that. Well, I want to bring in Kathy Sakamoto, president of the San Jose Okoyama Sisters Cities organization. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for the invitation for (laughs) listening to me among all these other wonderful people. Oh, Um, this is, there's so many people with so many great stories to tell about Mineta. Um, you know, I'm I'm wondering, just given your your history in San Jose, if if you can talk about um, what the Japanese community in San Jose was like before World War II, I, I don't think many people alive today realize how much was lost when the Roosevelt administration decided to scatter the community to the four winds in, in prison camps for the duration of the war. Right. So it was, you know, a long, hard struggle. There were the Alien Exclusion Acts. There were all, it, all so many, so many challenges. I mean, over racism before uh, Executive Order 9066. Um, one of the things that we did in uh, t- 2015 was to ask um, Norm to write something for uh, about J.B. Peckham, who was a gentleman who actually helped, I mean, helped the Japanese Americans, uh, not just in San Jose, but um, in Monterey County, all the way up to South San Francisco, and keeping some of their lands. And that's why uh, we have a Japantown in San Jose, actually. And so Norm wrote for the 125th anniversary of Japantown San Jose, um, a very nice piece about, uh, about, sorry, about, um, uh, J.B. Peckham and the Peckham family. So the federal building is named after Peckham also. Norm uh, saying, you know, what happened before we did uh, have uh, SB 307, Senate Bill 307 in California, which uh, Senator Vasconcellos uh, sponsored and through legislature. And um, through that, the three Japan towns looked at their histories. And most of us, most of the Issei were gone. So we had no real way of uh, talking with them in person. But uh, the memories of the older Nisei uh, came to bear. And they said, you know, they, like Norm, could not remember um too much except that it was fun because everybody knew each other uh people being ostracized makes you kind of look at who you're next to 
And so the person that they were next to, whether they would have been friends or not uh, previously in another life or in Japan or in another state in the United States, they hung together. And that's how the um, J- Japan Town Business Association, which was formerly the Jackson Taylor Professional Men's Association, actually came together because they needed each other in order to survive. Um, it's not just that, but they also needed um, the other Asians in the area, which were the Chinese. And so Highlandville, which was now named, it's now named Highlandville, the fourth fourth Chinese community in the city of San Jose. The other three were burned down. And um, Mr. Highland actually built brick houses with plumbing for uh, the Chinese and rented again at very low rates in order to to create a space for them that was safe and protected. And of course, he suffered also. He was a German immigrant and suffered Austria, um, being outcast from the rest of the society. So um, the Japanese of that time were, uh, you know, the Nisei were kids who were running around. The Issei were people who didn't know how to stop working. So when mm. all of that was taken away with Executive Order 9066, they, they naturally became depressed. If we think about the pandemic and we think about what people, you know, nobody was being punished. Everybody was actually in their homes to be safe. Uh, That was the idea of 9066. That's what the public, any public that knew about it, like the Quakers who tried to help, actually, they, they kind of said, well, you know, maybe it's for their safety. And a lot of Sansei, my generation, actually thought that that's what it was because the Issei parents, uh, grandparents did not talk about it. A lot of people did not talk about it at all. My father was different. My father gave me everything there was to read about it and all of his notes and everything for being in camp too. So the community before, the next community, the Issei community, they hung together really tightly. The Nisei community, and that's how Aike Ishimatsu and people, Yoshichira and people like that, got together and said, well, Yoshi's a Nisei also, <laughs> a little older than right. Norm. Yeah. But they, um, yeah, that's that's what made them say, okay, we need to have a voice. And that voice is going to help us in the future. Well, I And it was get very in- difficult. Yes, yes. I, I want to get into some of the comments that are, are racking up here uh, from so many people. Uh, Emily tweets, I'm forever grateful to Norman Mineta, who, while serving as Secretary of Transportation, came by Church of the Transfiguration in San Jose to honor my mom, Pat Carlson, at her funeral. She was a longtime Democratic ad- activist. She would have been so happy that he came by. Laurel tweets, uh, Mineta was a fixture in my childhood growing up in Santa Clara County. My father pointed to him as an example of a heroic civil servant. Every chance he got, we were so lucky to have him. He was the truest of the true. May he rest in peace. Uh, Christina writes, when I was 11 years old, my dad brought us to Norm Mineta's office in D.C. And because we were his constituents and he had a minute, we were able to have a brief chat and get a quick personal tour. That meeting made the abstract notion of representative government tangible for me. 
Um, uh, Diane, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, Mineta's long uphill climb to get the Civil Liberties Act passed. Uh, finally, in 1988, after I think about a decade, it took it took a lot of public education and really re-education. I mean, I. I know this dates me, Diane and Kathy, but I remember watching some of those congressional hearings as a child, and these were not the stories that I learned in history classes at the time. Yeah, you know, Norm was um, had a significant role in, in helping to get that passed, and it was a very long haul. Um, but, you know, Norm believed in it. He had allies on the Hill, and because of his personality and the friends that he had across the aisle, he was able to convince a lot of people that it was the, the right thing to do. You know, you probably know the history of um, that resolution not getting anywhere out of committee for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until they hit upon the strategy of sort of a three-way or different aspects of it. So, you know, it was the heroics of the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, the all-Japanese-American uh, combat team in Europe that really helped persuade people that Japanese-Americans were loyal and deserved reparations. It was the group of activist sansei uh, based out on the West Coast who really pushed for that to happen in their own way. It was the court hearings um, for Fred Korematsu and Minoru Yasui and um, Gordon Hirabayashi. And so all those things together converged. And, you know, I don't know that something like that could happen today, although I certainly hope so for the Black Reparation Movement. But I do know that it was circumstance, it was hard work, it was tenacity from people in all parts of the country, not just to Japanese Americans, but there were um, there were members of other minority ethnic minorities who supported that, as well as the ACLU and the Quakers. So we really are very thankful and have much appreciation for all those who worked so hard to get that passed. We're talking with Diane Fukami and Kathy Sakamoto about the life and legacy of Norman Mineta. You're listening to Forum. You know this is a community conversation, so give us a call at 866-733-6786. Email us, forum at kqed.org. But whatever you do, stay with us. I'm Rachel Myro, and you're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in for Mina Kim, and we're here with Diane Fukami, executive producer of the Mineta Legacy Project, and Kathy Sakamoto, president of San Jose Okayama Sister Cities. Uh, Kathy, there's been so much population churn in San Jose's Japantown. Norm Mineta retired in 2006. What do you think people today in the region remember about Normanetta? Well, I think um, anybody who who experienced 9-11 will remember Norm for um, what he did in bringing the planes out of the sky so that keeping the skies clear so they would be aware, or we as a nation would be aware of any threat. But besides that, I one of the things that we did with SBC 307 was say, you know, this place was built on work of other people. It wasn't us. It wasn't the young people to come. They have to build the future. So we we did some, some uh, work on creating projects like the, the benches that are their concrete. And they have um, pictures etched into them. And they have uh, of prior times of times before 9066 and sometimes after. So we had to ask Norm, of course, and uh, his bench is at Fist and Jackson. And what we did was actually, uh, we wanted something personal. So he sent me five pages when I called him and asked for, for a little blip. And he said, okay, uh, sound bite, all right, five pages worth, Kathy, choose what you want. And I said, okay, I will edit Norm Mineta. <laughs> Good grief. So, um, we actually, in committee, we chose something uh, that really just talks about him taking vegetables around that, you know, sometimes they would be paid in vegetables. And so he would, his father would tell him, okay, Norm, take these over to so-and-so's house. So he did. And so we took that little bit because I asked him to be personal about it. And and so that's what's on the bench. Um, it's at Fifth and Jackson. And it's one of, uh, if anybody knows J-Town, it's uh, in front of Roy Station. And so, yeah, uh, and 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 <laughs> an essential part of any any uh, day tour of Japan. That's town, right. Among that so many the wonderful things. Yeah. Yes, and the museum. Of course, there's a picture, you know, of Norm signing. People, it's true that um, the young people today are being taught in school uh, that they don't have, you know, they they don't have that much say in politics. Really, I mean, there's such a disinterest. Because they they kind of feel that, uh, what am I going to do, right? It's the same, like, forever, I think. But um, the Sister Cities is a part of that saying, you know, what we need to do is um, to stop war. And in order to do that, what we thought President Dwight D. Eisenhower was to, um, to, you wouldn't want to make war on your neighbor if you're friends. And so we'll create friendships across the world. And... Norm being honored in 2014 for with Sister Cities International when they had the convention in San Jose, Norm was such a proponent of of all of the what needs to come in the future, what can't be lost from the past, and that you know history will repeat itself. So it was very important um, to have some kind of weight to not just the organization but to the ideas and the standards and the honesty you know really that that needed to be instilled in the community so in japantown one of the work that 
some of the work that we did, one of the things that we said was that there's a wall of values. And we said, these things need to be known. So the Issei, it was Kaman, it was, you know, Ishito Kemmei, it was Arigatai. It was so many things that we got, we received from the Issei generation. Uh, I put, think, uh, Kathy, I, <laughs> I, I know you've, you, you don't have much time with us because of, you know, all the stuff that's going on today, but I, I want to thank you for being with us, uh, today on forum. Uh, Kathy well, Sakamoto, president of, of the San Jose Okayama sister cities. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I, I don't want to miss out on some of the, the great community calls we're getting in right now. Uh, why don't we jump back to the phones and Casey in La Selva Beach? close to Santa Cruz. Hi, this is Casey. Yeah, and so you actually already read my tweet. It was under Emily, but um, <laughs> the story that I wanted to share was that my mom had worked on Norm Mineta's campaigns from the beginning for city council and Congress, and she was, the, you know, democratic activism was like the, the joy of her life. And when she passed away from uh, lung cancer, he was, Secretary of Transportation at that point, but he was in the Bay Area, and uh, we hadn't thought to contact him because he's, you know, Secretary of Transportation, but he saw that she had passed away, and he came to the church um, to attend her funeral, and it was the most meaningful thing. It would have brought my mother such great joy. It was such an honor, and it just shows the kind of person he was, that even when he rose to that position, he still like his sons were saying, still remembered people and um, and showed that care and concern. So just what thank a lovely you story. Story. Yeah. Thank, thank story. Yeah, thank thank you, Casey. Um, I I, I want to go to another call. Uh, you know, while we've still got time in in this segment of the show, but but I I also want to put out the the call to the rest of you listening who are thinking, oh, I've got a great Normanetta story to share with us. Eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. That's eight six six. Seven three three six seven eight six. Let's talk to Sean in San Jose. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet uh, Mr. Mineta when I was a boy, and my mother was working for the courts. But um, uh, not that was a long time ago. But not that long ago, a friend who's a, a concierge at the Fairmont told me that no one was supposed to know when uh, uh, when Ken Watanabe was there to meet Mr. Mineta. You know, uh, when, when they were when they were looking at portraying Mr. Mineta's life on film, um, that would be great. We can imagine the difference in size between these between <laughs> these men. But this is a story that we all need to see. And um, you know, Masashimoto, Gene Wakatsuki, Houston, um, uh, Mike Honda, uh, Norman Mineta. These are all very important. Um, key members of a, of a group of people that within the Japanese American citizen leagues across the country have really done a lot for freedom and equality. And I hope that this sparks a little more, that this sparks some more interest in, in becoming a member of the Japanese American citizens league, wherever you live in the country. <laughs> I hear it. It's a call out to Japanese Americans everywhere. Uh, to get involved, to get engaged, uh, to, you know, pick up the baton. Thank you for sharing those those thoughts, Sean. Um, Diane, 
Mineta was a dem- Democrat who worked with Republicans for much of his political career, especially in the in the latter half. But let's not sugarcoat this. Uh, Mineta was afraid of the flack he'd get from his compatriots on the left. And I want to play another um, clip from your documentary, Norman Mineta and His Legacy. Here's Norman Mineta uh, talking about compromise. The word compromise today is even a bad word. People think of it as a weakness rather than a strength to get something done. The Congress is so polarized. The American public is so polarized on certain issues. And you wonder how we're going to ever get the different voices to come together to get something done. It it just seems even farther down the line of lack of compromise, I guess I would say, inexpertly. Um, we seem to be headed in the other direction from the kind of collaboration he was so good at. Yes, you know, that's true. I want to get back a little bit to the comment um, from the, the caller who came in, because you encouraged all the Japanese Americans to get involved. And I think Norm Norm's um, message would be even broader than that. He wanted everybody to get involved. You know, um, he talked a lot about the importance of people activating themselves, even on a very, very small level. And he would say, you know, you can be a subject matter expert in anything. If you like the library, sign up to be um, to be on the library committee in your in your hometown. Um, sign up to do this. Sign up to do that. And he thought that it was so important for people to be at the table and to be represented. So for those listeners out there, you know, if you believe believe in what Norm believed in, in good leadership and good representation, he he would want you to become active in your own political sphere. Um, so let's talk a little bit about bipartisanship and, and Norm's ability to get along and compromise. You know, when we were trying to get the documentary on national PBS, it was it was tough because we were a one-off and it was a it was a unique situation. And our last name is not Ken Burns, you know. So, <laughs> so that was that was kind of tough. And so we would often show, show the film at screenings and then we would have a panel discussion afterwards. And I had to keep on telling Norm, okay, we have to remain nonpartisan you cannot talk about the current president in the united uh, in the white house and at the time it was president trump you know you really have to watch what you say norm because there are a lot of people who who want us to be nonpartisan when we present this film and he goes yeah 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 i would get it and i'd have to watch him very very closely when we when we were on the panel speaking or taking questions from people because I knew that behind the scenes, he had a few choice words for the situation that was going on at the time, you know? Mm, yeah. One of the reasons why he uh, resigned from Congress is that he just became really tired of party politics. And what he had told me is that, you know, in the old days, you would be arguing with each other on the floor, but then afterwards, you'd like put your, put your arm around the other people's shoulder and you'd go out for a drink or something. And the way... Congress had evolved, especially in the House, was that you they work from Monday through Thursday. And then on Thursday, everyone's in a hurry to get back home to see their constituents and to try to raise money for the next run. And so you lost that congeniality. You lost the ability to make personal friendships. And he felt that that hurt um, in terms of compromise and in, in terms of bilateralism and trying to get things um, cooking to work together. 
I want to note this is a, a fundraising period for many public radio stations. Yes, you're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro, and we want your support today. Well, Diane Fukami, you know, I, there was a, a touching moment at the, a heartbreaking moment, really, at the end of your documentary when Mineta says he still gets treated like a foreigner and that he feels that. I, do you think he had regrets at the end of his life? You know, how, how far American society still has to go in, in accepting the full diversity of, of our society? Oh, I think he did for sure. Um, you know, for the, for the people who haven't seen the documentary, for me, one of the most poignant memories I have with Norm is we, we were doing one of the last interviews, formal interviews with him. Um, and I, I asked him sort of what I thought was a kiss-off question. You know, Norm always wears his American flag pin on his lapel. And I asked him the question thinking I would get a good response about patriotism, how much he loved America. So he's on camera, I'm off camera, and I say, Norm, tell me, why do you wear that American flag pin on your lapel all the time? And he looked at it and he said, oh, this? I wear this American flag because, you know, sometimes people look at me and I could see they're giving me the once-over or it's like when you're in an elevator and they see my face and they're wondering, I could tell they're wondering. And then they see my flag pin and they know I'm an American. And Rachel, I've got to tell you, that really broke me up because I'd spent seven years with him working on this program and gotten to know him pretty well. You know, really admired and respected the contributions that he made to our country. And to realize that in his 80s, he still felt that he had to wear the American flag in order to prove to people that he was American just broke my heart. Mm, yeah, yeah. It broke my heart as well, watching it. Um, I, I think we have a few more minutes left. So we can get in a few more comments and maybe even a call. Uh, Barry writes, Norm Mineta made the congressional recommendation for my oldest brother, Cole, to attend West Point. When Cole graduated, we went to his graduation, then traveled to Washington, D.C., where Norm graciously accepted a visit and brought me and my younger brother onto the floor of the House during a vote. I was able to pull the voting lever on behalf of Norm and then met uh, Jack Kemp and shook his hand. Norm then invited us to eat with him in the congressional mess hall. Uh, Ron writes, uh, while uh, Mineta was Secretary of Transportation, I was driving in Los Gatos and saw a group of people waiting to cross the street, realized Norm Mineta was part of the group. He and the others were deeply engaged in conversation, not looking closely when they started to cross, and Mineta walked into the rear of my car. Most would have just walked on. He came to my car window and apologized for hitting my car. Here was this powerful man, surrounded by staff and others, and he took time to stop and apologize. Uh, Mr. Mineta did many great things in his life, but the first thing I will always remember is him stopping to apologize. That provides a glimpse into his character. He was a great man. Let's go to the phones and Wanda in Oakland. I, uh, Helen Mineta, his sister, was my mentor. And I, I benefited, I'm sorry, I have a, a bad throat right now. Uh, he, she and he and their father were a force unto themselves in San Jose. And um, Norman was his, the baby brother. 
and uh, Helen was a force in raising the standards of political understanding at San Jose High School for a very long time. And um, I was at their home several times. And um, it's just important that we don't forget that the elders bring the children up to be the people that they become. And I think that uh, Helen and her brother, Norman, uh, were the result of the strength of their father, who was a great man in his own right. And I, I think that um, we just need to appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wanda, for that. Um, Diane, I, I'm going to apologize for leaning so heavily on your documentary, but, but there's one last cut that I'd, I'd like to play, uh, you know, that comes in towards the end, and it, it does a nice job of sort of wrapping things up. Here's John Flaherty, Mineta's former chief of staff, speaking about Mineta in Norman Mineta and his legacy. You have to look at the arc of Norm Mineta. Young guy, Japanese-American, growing up in San Jose, California, and then interned. And that whole arc, from the time he was interned to the time where he sat in the cabinet room of the White House with the President of the United States saying, and we're not going to let what happened to Norm happen to Muslim-Americans. That arc is Norm Mineta's life. That was John Flaherty, Mineta's former chief of staff, speaking about Mineta in Diane Fukami's documentary, Norman Mineta and His Legacy. Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been a terrific conversation. Thank you so much. And, you know, the public is invited to pay their respects to Norm tomorrow at the uh, San Jose Civic at 1030 a.m. Good reminder. And today uh, at City Hall from 1 to 7 p.m., we also heard this hour from Kathy Sakamoto, president of the San Jose Okoyama Sister Cities Organization, and from two of Norman Mineta's sons, David and Stuart. So much thanks to them for being with us this morning. I, I'm Rachel Myro, filling in for Mina Kim, and you have been listening to Forum. Thank you so much for being with us today. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.